Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coley, Christmas is, I mean, it's here, bro, right? It's here. Oh, yeah. It's here. Any favorite moments or nightmares that you can recall growing up as a kid for Christmas? Oh, man. I mean, Christmas is such a magical time. Like, I didn't, I don't. <laughs> come from a lot so as i get older i just realized my father would just get into massive credit card debt to to provide and then pay mm. it off throughout the year he would pick up a, another job or two this uh, man was he's a like grinder late, bro he was he was in like his late 50s still picking up a second job at circuit city back when tvs used to weigh i don't know the size of like uh, a, a medium-sized elephant <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of them fell off the truck, dislocated his shoulder. He drove himself to the hospital like Cameron. And in traffic, he noticed he was outside of like a Paul Mitchell, like the, the hair salon place. Uh-huh. And he was in traffic. He didn't even pull over. He just got out the car, got in there, got my mother a hairdryer, got back in the car <laughs> and drove himself the rest of the way oh, wow. to the hospital. So, yeah, Christmas always has meant the world to me. How about you? Yeah. Christmas is the yin and yang for me. Uh, okay. It's, it's sweet and salty. I just remember the gifts that I, I, I received and I got. Um, at the time, right, I, I, I kind of struggled with it as a kid a little bit. It was always needs, like things mm-hmm. that I needed. Um, and we got things that we wanted, but it was things that I needed. And, and Sure. I never connected the dots until I, I got older and I realized, which is why we do it and why I make it a, uh, I personally internally try to make it intentional is I was an angel tree kid. I was a Salvation Army, Goodwill, whatever name you want to call it. I was a kid who didn't have a name. You just had the sizes of, of, of what you needed on the mm-hmm. tree and you get to pick it you pull it off and then you wrap it and then you give it back to that uh, institution or that charity. And so that's how I received my gifts. And I didn't realize that till I, I became older. And then now that I'm older and able to provide, able to have a Christmas, I always try to uh, help out families, multiple families that are just like the size of my family. Right. right, because I understand the grind and the struggle, right? Of having you struggle with two, I know you're struggling with five. Sure, you know. Sure. Um, and and not to put it in a category, but I 
we we gravitate towards what we know or are comfortable with or what we've experienced. And I know I can afford to have a blessed Christmas. Mm-hmm. Six of us for, you know, so me and my wife and four kids. Now, I know what it's like to struggle with, you know, me and my brother or my mom did with the two of us. And so I just tried to help out what I've experienced, the single mom with two and also the couple, the family of us of six, because you right. having six mouths, having six pairs of shoes, six pairs of socks, uh, six different, six T-shirts, undershirts, sweaters, coats, hats, mittens, right? I can just go through the whole head to toe, toothbrushes, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. Um, and so that's what we try to do. And so it's always been important for me um, to give and give back and give back intentionally. And so that's what we've always done here in Charlotte. Uh, it doesn't just stop there. We don't just do one or two families. We do, you know, we've done uh, multiple families. And yeah. uh, I, I'm i stating it because a lot of stuff we do, uh, whether it's through my foundation or personally, we we try really, really hard not to boast about or talk about it. But the reason I'm sharing it on here and why is one to give you uh, insight and a peek into a little bit of how I think outside of football, mm-hmm. and also the why um, behind some things. So like some things I do share and some things I don't, um, is because I also don't want to be seen as brag, being you know bragging or come across, coming across disingenuous. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I I always get confused by people. Who, like, I'm talking about the detractors who are like, oh, why would you talk about your charity? It's like, well, so more people have visibility on it so that there can be more donations and more help given out. Like, yeah, I understand. There's, and, I know and, and sometimes, right? It's a, it's a big world out here. I, Mr. Beast went out and cured like 10,000 people of blindness. People were like, why did you film this? It's like, he just, that's what we're taking from this. Like, I don't understand. People <laughs> like to be negative, like immediately, and it's just like, yeah. well, can we appreciate? This? Yeah, it's like, what's what's going on here? And yeah. I don't know if there's anybody who can who can become more negative more quickly than Dallas Cowboys fans. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter how America's good team. Fans. Yeah, it doesn't matter how, like, they're the most what-have-you-done-for-me-lately fan base, I think, in the sport. <laughs> because what, last, two weeks ago, it's like, well, I think we're the best team in the league. And then they play the hey, Bills. Front runner for, hey, front runner for MVP, right? <laughs> and Man, they play I, the listen, Bills. I, I don't even know if we have a team anymore. Should we move the franchise? Should oh we fold? Goodness. Should we fold the franchise? Listen, the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys have been talked about in the same regards of how we were talking about cryptocurrency. <laughs> and they have dropped like cryptocurrency just that fast. So the Bills are coming off, they beat the Chiefs, and now the Bills, after pretty much being a 500 team all year, do you think they're hitting their stride at the right time? It's not like they had an overly convincing win over the Chiefs. They did beat them, but it wasn't anything like this game against the Cowboys. I believe because of how the Kansas City Chiefs game went and how people right if if you break down the 
how they won and, and what were the reasons why the Kansas City Chiefs didn't help themselves out. The Buffalo sure. Bills did, did the right things at the right time. And it, when they made a mistake, the Kansas City Chiefs allowed the mistake not to be capitalized on. Mm-hmm. When you lose a football game, people are sometimes always looking for the reason of why this team lost. Oh, they weren't prepared. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. They were prepared. They just weren't prepared to get smacked from the snap of the ball down to the end of the game. And even when they tried to crawl their way back out of the slippery well because of the rain, each individual player for the Buffalo Bills did some things that you normally would not expect. And what do I mean by that? Josh, Josh Allen doesn't even throw for 200 yards. Doesn't even throw for 150. Right. Or 100. <laughs> he didn't, yes. even, didn't even hit the century mark. And, and, and that was shocking. I don't think Dallas was unprepared, like you were saying, but I don't think any opponent, if you've watched any Buffalo Bills tape since McDermott and Josh Allen got there, no one would be prepared for them to hand the ball off as many times as they did. They just haven't done that. They have not committed to the run as they did against Dallas one time. Even in the game uh, they played the Patriots where Mac Jones threw the ball a grand total of three times and the Patriots only ran the ball. Buffalo did not commit to the run in that game like they did against Dallas. So I agree, it wasn't a prepared issue. No one could have prepared for Buffalo to be like, you know what, we're a running team now. That's just not how they've played football. For, we talk about data, knowing what your opponent does, tendencies. They, that was not their tendencies at all. So it, I'm interested to see how they how they try and find more of a balance between run pass. Because right now it's still an extreme. It was an extreme yeah. run. <clears throat> Typically it's extreme pass. So we'll yep. see <clears throat> how they'll continue to work that balance into things. If they come out and win convincingly by throwing a football, and then they come back the next game or in the first half and in the second half they run the football and they just start to mount up this momentum that they become unpredictable. You don't know which half or which series of play calling you're going to get because they become so dynamic. That's how you become a very dangerous team. But Nick Mullins, what they what they were able to do or not do, I, I was just surprised how they come out and just throw him out there like he was going – change anything i i just mm-mm, right that, nobody that game was electric that was maybe my favorite game of the weekend him and him and browning down the stretch just like what i appreciate about that type of backup quarterback from both of them is they were like i already don't really have this job so why not do it my way they were making some of the more insane throw the touchdown both touchdowns to addison a starting quarterback doesn't even attempt either of those throws. One of them, the first one, he just takes the sack. Like, he was on the ground when he threw that ball. Addison plucked it, continued. The other one, the jump ball to Addison, nobody even reacted when he caught the touchdown, including Addison, because everyone was like, (laughs) there was a flat-out whistle. No no way he threw this ball. Like, that was the most throw this out of bounds, live live another down type play. Hey, you over there like... It did. Oh, yeah, he did. Even Addison was like, did I just catch a touchdown? Am I like, he's looking at the ref like, did that just happen? He looked like, 
Hey, y'all playing with me, huh? And then the touchdown to T. Higgins at the end. Uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> talking about a grown man. <laughs> that could have went off. I feel like the storyline last year, maybe it was the year before, was never reach for the end zone. And he's doing and one mixtape behind the back, hot sauce, windmills, yeah. over the goal line. That was Jeez. all of that was electric. That was Bro, far he, away he threw it, from the weekend. He threw it up. He threw it, he threw it up. Great. Oh man. So you have that where you have that exciting game, and then you have let's let's talk about Derrick Henry. Extremely interested on Derrick Henry because he's starting to ponder his career, his fate. Where does he go? He's a free agent. And he, he becomes a free agent this year. Does he stay? Coley, let's just you throw out some names of some teams that you as a fan think he would you would love to see him in. So I think it's tough coming off the week. I think he just had like 15 carries for 12 yards, something along those lines. So it was a tough week to be like the highest on Derrick Henry. He's one of my favorite running backs of my lifetime, starting mm-hmm. with what he did in Florida in high school. I don't know what that coach, that coach was like, listen, we're going to run you until you you literally can't walk anymore. I don't know if you've ever seen his high school stats. It's the most preposterous box or stat line to ever look yeah. at. He goes to Alabama, wins Heisman. He comes into the league. Wasn't that well-loved coming into the draft because he's he's bigger. How is he going to move laterally? And then he he dominates. He's an absolutely dominant player. Well, he, I, so hold on, though. I don't think he dominated originally because at his rookie year, first couple of years. He was splitting there carries. Was a, he was splitting carries. And the way they had him splitting carries, he didn't look – like the Derrick Henry we see today, it was almost like, man, was this a mistake? Well, there, uh, originally, when Mar- when uh, Murray came from the Cowboys, I had that big situ- that big uh, contract, yeah, and it wasn't like overwhelming to say if Derrick Henry becomes the feature back, we believe that he will be this running back that we now see today. Well, he was also, even once he got the job, once they did believe in him, he would have those slow September and Octobers, and then November, December, when everyone else was tired, he was just a battering ram. He was impossible to, he's the type of guy, carries one through 15 in a game, you're like, okay, and then carries 16 through 30, it's just like, well, how am I supposed to tackle this this horse that was brought yeah, onto yeah. the field. Like, what? I'm yeah. exhausted. Now I got to tackle this guy? That doesn't seem very fair. So to answer your question, I think he needs one of the elite offensive lines moving forward. I don't – to help him as well, to extend his career. I'm not saying oh, he can't do it on his own, but I think yeah. if he wants no, to – No, a really healthy hurt, offensive line is – a healthy offensive line is wise. I agree. You don't want to put him behind offensive line who can't block. Right. right. Like the Titans. The Titans have been rebuilding their offensive line all year. They missed on a first round pick a couple of years ago. A guy who literally never even played in the NFL. Baltimore's the team that comes to mind. Philly's a team that comes to mind. And as we're talking, a team I'm I'm now hoping uh does this. What if he backs up CMC for our 49ers? Yeah, see that I knew you were gonna say that and and I've been racking my brain to really think about that because you 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 made that statement the first 15 carries don't always look pretty sure they don't look 
like it was a man, that was a good idea to give the ball to Derrick Henry on that play because they're sometimes like, oh, 2.3 yards. And then they'll do it again as oh, one yard. Then it's, oh, didn't make it, punt. And then all of a sudden, that same look with the same miss, with the same lack of good leverage by the left or right guard, he breaks through that tackle and scampers for 50 yards with right. holding the ball like Tiki Barber <laughs> used to hold it with the New York Giants, right? So there's a lot of valid questions heading into the playoffs about the Philadelphia Eagles that I believe the Philadelphia Eagles fan base is having for themselves, but it kind of shows the panic. And they may not say panic, but when you change defensive coordinator, bro, two days before the game, which would which they didn't change two weeks, two days before the game. What they started to do is say, we need a change because things are not trending in a direction that we like. They're not panicked, but the actions say they're thinking about some things and they're concerned and cautious. We need to figure out how we can get a spark or change things up because we believe our defense is too good to be allowing and giving up all the rushing yards and now passing yards that if if you are wanting to play well in the playoffs, you're going to have to slow down these wide receivers that are coming into the playoffs. Whether the teams are good or bad, there are some wide receivers coming into the playoffs that if, if you have an off day, off year, it ain't going to get no better. No. It's going to get worse. He's too handsome. You have to have some leverage of competency. The sad part is I have no swag, dog. <laughs> you brought up the rookie tracker. Yeah. Who are we highlighting today? Well, I gotta, you know, I gotta let the people know I'm listening to them. Okay. I, I, I'm looking at it, and, and so we're gonna do Gabe Davis next week. So we'll push it back to next week. But this week. Jalen Reed, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers, showing you why and what he can do. I'm pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable what Jalen Reed has been able to do with all of these young guys. Jalen Reed targeted 78 times for 54 receptions, 592 yards, six receiving touchdowns, but a total of eight touchdowns altogether. 248 yards of his 592 is yak, yards after catch. I got I got back-to-back plays to show. Like, what's really cool in my notes, what's really cool that I, I noticed out of him is he doesn't really know the game yet. Interesting. And you're not saying that as a negative. You're saying that he's a rookie. I'm Yes, I'm saying that as in his upside, if he – learns the technique and the why. I mean, you just, he's a convertible. He's a luxury convertible that you never put the top down, never put the top on. It's just, it, the experience is just better in a convertible, and that's who Jalen Reed is. I, I'll know he's made it when you realize his name's Jaden. Yes, I'm sorry, Jaden. <laughs> Why am I saying, yeah, Jaden Reed, sorry. It's right here on my, I'm just, I'm just, 
I'm so to be I'm fair, just, listen, there's more Jalen's than Jaden's. That's it just is what it is. It's not no knock yeah, to him, but that's yeah. why he stands out to me. I like yeah, that he's J-A-Y-D-E-N. Jaden. Sorry. What? I apologize. So with that being said, let's get into the tape right here with Jaden Reed. So he goes out. And so look at the, the dis- distribution. So you see the shadow. He's, he's lined up, right? What was that? Plus hmm. minus three, plus two. Two yards from the hash, minus three for the numbers. So he goes, look where the shadow is, but watch where he goes to break. So he's already now, and the way that corner is and a wide receiver, when you widen out that quickly, you now have already condensed the field of play and you've played to the advantage of the corner, which now makes it extremely hard to throw to throw the football with for Jordan Love. So look now, now so look now he's running. He gives a little indicator, but look where the ball is thrown inside. So now the corner gets a PBU that technically he didn't earn. Right. The quarterback gave him that PBU. So he breaks to the side like he he doesn't maintain that straight line. Is yes, he doesn't keep what they say, keep the integrity of the route. Right. Doesn't keep the integrity of the route. Also because of, and this is what I mean by te- te- technique, or he doesn't know what he's he's really doing right now. If you, you know you got an under route, you already know, man, I got to come off, off, off the line of scrimmage. I got to give something to the corner. But also got to buy time and let my guy clear out sure, underneath sure. to allow me to have all of that sideline, all that real estate. Right. He created that traffic because he he went outside too soon. He went outside too soon, which meant which mean he out leveraged the corner. So he ran away from the corner, but then he ran into uh, the oncoming traffic corner who's covering the underneath route. Right. So that's where you got to understand the why am I doing this? And when you understand why I'm doing this, you also can start to manipulate and force the ball to yourself based off your release and understanding what else, what else everybody has. And now all of a sudden you understand the defense too. All of a sudden you start going, yeah, I know the first read and second read is uh, the first reads over here. I'm the second read. You can now knowing the defense, you can say, Hey, I'm either available for this play. Or I now become unavailable, and you start to do and manipulate to also help out your teammates right. too. Hey, I can't win on this route based on the coverage, but I can run interference for you to get the football as well. Yeah. So on this play, goes he's going in motion, goes inside. Now goes inside, gets that running start that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Heads up. Now look at this. So I'm pretty sure this is is supposed to be a high angle corner, but he runs it according to. And you see what I was talking about right here? Look what, but look at the corner, how the corner sees and recognizes that Jaden Reed is coming across, that Reed is going to run some outbreaking route. But the the receiver says, no, I know what's going on. I'm going to run interference. And so he can't allow the corner. And then the corner sees it. 
Safety has no shot. Right. Bang. And that's just understanding what you're supposed to do. Let's play right here. This play, I wrote he turns he turns the wrong way. In the slot. See, now he keeps it straight. Turns the wrong way in regards to he goes too much inside. He should come back down the stem. Because, and the reason I know is because the ball tells me so. Watch where the ball hits. It's his hand. But see how the distributes, they're running stops. And look at this, look at the center of the field. That guy's in the way. Yeah. And so he just turns the wrong way, get, gets the guy going, but he, he doesn't sell it well enough. So now it becomes a 50-50 ball. And that that's that's a target, and that's to him. But the way he runs the route, it makes it in it makes it into an impossible catch. Yeah, right there. So he's in the slot. Sutton as he goes. So this is what I would say. He's halfway there. And this is what I mean. So gets off the gets off the uh, gets gets off the line of scrimmage. Pretty good. Gets clean. Now he now he's hand fighting with the DB. He looks inside a little bit, but the DB already it gives just enough separation. But when he breaks off his route, he rounds it off, mm -hmm. and it now allows the corner who's chasing, and that now means the ball has to be perfect, and it goes off his fingertips because, and I believe it goes off his fingertips as a drop because now he realizes he's got so quickly towards the sideline. Now that he's running, he's going, oh, yeah, I got to now drag my feet and I, just just me being in this situation. Well, now when I drag my feet, I naturally shrink my hands because now I'm thinking. Yeah. Goes, give a little indicator, does a little hop step. Looks back, I believe, a little bit too early. And because he looks back too early, ball is thrown, right? Almost makes the catch. But he gives himself – see, again, now – He's widening, and because he's widening, now he allows the corner to utilize the sideline as the 12th man. Right. And then now the the, the corner is just being ultra, ultra natty and, and making me now have to do all that. So let's go to the next play. So this play is just a while because – Ain't no way he should have caught this. No. It looks like he's clearing so, out for Dobbs. Like yeah, the, he, yes. So he's getting a little. He's trying to. What do I say? He's trying to run confusion. But why? Love can't throw the ball. They have a D tackle. I mean, a DN who recognizes. Right. He doesn't take. He doesn't take the RPO. He says nope. Stay outside. So he stays outside. He can't throw the ball because now the DN jumps up. So Jordan slangs it, a former baseball player. He sidearms it because Reed is running interference. He still throws it to Dobbs, and Dobbs <laughs> can't catch the hot potato. 
and falls into Reed's hand. So that is not a design play, but hey, that's what you call good living right there. You get six on the board. That's all that matters. In a slot, runs the route. This route I like. Ball is a little late. I just, uh, I want the ball early. Keeps it straight, looks the guy. But so you see how he he realizes he gives up. He's running an outbreaking route. He doesn't say, "Hey, I'm running this route." He just says, "Hey, my releases tell me I'm running outbreaking route." He realizes it, and this is what I mean: where he doesn't have real technique yet, mm-hmm. but he's getting it because he realizes and says, "Hey, now I have to do something inside the route to correct myself." which corrects the corner to keep him where he needs to keep him to give the adequate space for Jordan Love slash your quarterback to throw me open. So he, he, so he runs, he straightens up, he's, he gets outside, then he chop, chop. Because he chop, chops, that allows, that makes the, say, the corner, you know I talk about getting outside your frame? Yeah. He makes this guy get outside his frame, and look what it does. It makes him now, the only way he's able to break on that ball, the corner, is by, you see the landing, the the landing gear, is by gathering his step, getting back in the framework of his body to be able to drive on the ball, and he throws it, and it's good. It's it's almost like reads. Like you always, you talked about like counting steps versus looking at where you are on the field. It's almost like he's he knows he has to break out, so he starts doing it two or three steps before he should. Yep. That's exactly what he does. And, and, but he, he corrects himself. Yeah, on that one he did, but throughout, we're like, what, seven plays deep now. Throughout all of them, it's like, he's like a very excited puppy almost. He's like, I know we're about yes. to go for a walk. Like, 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 he's trying to get out the door before you even have, like, your coat on. Like he he just needs like one more beat, and obviously I know nothing. He but he needs like one more beat, and then I think he'll be. I think next year, if that's like you're talking about working on his route running, he'll be wide open frequently if he can just stay up, maintain that integrity of the original first half of the route. One more beat, corners are going to be swimming a swimming in an empty pool. They're not going to be able to know where he is. And so this is a great. This play, man, tells it everything, but the next play tells me even more. He gets excited, like the, like that puppy. Mm-hmm. He knows he's going on a walk, so now he's tinkling all on the rug <laughs> before he get outside. Going against uh, going against Brian Branch, who still <laughs> still for the Detroit Lions, Swiss Army knife. So he goes immediately outside. <laughs> immediately. Right? And now he's now he's in a hand fight and Branch is holding on to him. Literally, this should be holding. And then he again, because he makes it so difficult. And so we're gonna run it back. I'm gonna just run it back again and show you what he does. Goes outside, bang. Too quick, too quick. Now he's hand fighting, now he's hand fighting. Has to be a perfect pass. And that's one of those contested catches he was not able to catch. But watch this, though. Goes inside. But this time, 
he realizes he sells the play too much, goes inside. Now he says, I have to, I've been here before. When I didn't do anything to correct my route and correct and put the corner in a position, I need him. Because that's one of the things, as a wide receiver, your routes tell you what you do in your route puts the corner in a place where he now has to obey you. You become his superior. That's what you should do as running around. So he, now he goes, okay, I got, I've, I've already told him last time, wherever I go immediately, that's where I'm going to, that's, that's the route I'm running. So he uses his own deficiencies against the DB and then corrects it. So he goes inside immediately, gives him the indicator step, and look at the DB, shifts his weight. When he shifts his weight to the inside, thinking that's what he's going to run, Reed has such good suddenness that he's able to go back outside. Look now. Look how bad now when he puts his foot in the ground and goes back downhill. Look at the separation and how all of a sudden. Now the ball needs to be better, but that's because he, he has to come out of that angle, still go again, high angle. Not flat, because that read uh, uh, readers runs it flat. Love throws it high. Mm-hmm. That's where the com- miscommunication. Well, Steve, why would you play that play? He didn't win. So here's the last play, though. Before we do this, why are you showing that? You know, I like to show the good and the bad, but also in the good and the bad, you look at the good and bad as as this. You remove your emotion and you. Add, you just look at it as data. What do I? This is what I'm getting out of this. I did these good. I did these things good, and I did these things bad. Let's combine it and let's improve. Last play. This last play, though, I really love. Always going to end on a good positive play. This play right here is. This is what I talk about: the immediate pressure on the corner that he applies by eat, by uh, closing a cushion. When he closes a cushion. You talk about a corner who has to get the heck out of the way. Watch how this corner backs up, and then watch when he realizes, man, my cushion is getting closed up quick, so I got to get on my horse. So let me load, low, and spring out. And watch what the corner does. Loads, springs out, bang. And because he's able to close up that cushion, he's able now to stop on a dime. And extremely dynamic when he gets the ball in his hand. Jaden Reed has and will become a bona fide superstar in Green Bay because of what he can do in the route, how he utilizes his speed. Now, once he learns how to change up the route and, and, and manipulate the defender with his releases and the suddenness that is already what he has, man, he's going to be a tough guy to cover. And Matt LaFleur does such a Beautiful job of allowing him to be moved around all the different ways, the same way Michigan State did, which is why I was so high and we were so high on him uh, on Cut To It of the possibility of where he can go and why I said, and this made a big stink, why I don't believe if Jay, if Reed is drafted by the Atlanta Falcons, he does not play and impact the team the way he's doing. Look at how. 
Drake London is not getting his due of being a really good wide receiver. Oh, yeah. If he had gone to the Patriots, he wouldn't. No one would oh, be yeah. talking about Jaden Reed. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, he couldn't. And especially the. I know they, they haven't played every single game together, but they went out, they get Watson and Dobbs last year. He fits perfectly with what they do. Like, he was, he's a perfect complimentary receiver to what they were already building. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. That was a good one. So that was a that was a breakdown with with Reed. Now let's get to my Carolina Panthers. Victory right, Monday, so, Victory Tuesday, Victory Victory <laughs> Tuesday. I, hey, they were real. It was a it was a fun real quiet on on the social media. But I remain nameless. I'm not gonna gloat. I'm not gonna say anything. But. Here's one thing that I was looking at that I was really interested to see. And this is what I wrote down. Watching to see and can how the Carolina Panthers offense adapts to the circumstances of the weather. Now, this game right here, you had everybody going forward for fourth and down on fourth down because you're scared. That if you punt the football, soaking wet football, there's a possibility that the football will be dropped, which would give the punting team an opportunity because there's one catching. There's technically the punter doesn't really count because he's a safety valve. The, the long snapper does count. But then there's really 10 other people running to that individual who's trying to fair catch or catch the football. So the, that could be intimidating. That pressure can mount at a slippery football. And so team said, you know what? This is, a, this is a rainy game. Now, I'm not sure why on the opening drive, the Carolina Panthers start off running football great. Now, come in a second, they come in a, uh, the second drive, and all of a sudden, they forgot that it's raining. <laughs> and I'm not sure how, because the head coach hat is soaked. It's like dripping. And then the replays, you can't even see the players on the field through the camera because of so much rain. The rain is coming straight down, sideways, <laughs> all around. It's it's, And they just come out. And so I was watching this game like, man, I wonder how it's going to go. And both of these offenses at some point decided, I know it's raining, but I don't care. We're going to try to throw the football as if it's not raining. They'll never see it coming. Oh, they'll never <laughs> see it coming. But they were able to get the win out. Derrick Brown is unbelievable. His engaging at the point of attack, he's now making himself a viable threat of impacting run the run game like he did in Albert, but also the pass game, applying pressure. They could get Brian Burns, Derrick Brown and then get another guy like how they had with Hassan Reddick. Mm -hmm. So you tell me if you got three out of the four defense alignment pressuring, all of a sudden you add now healthy guys when they're healthy and then some guys who can also potentially start as well as the nickel and the back half. Now all of a sudden you have a top 10 defense who can Limit an offense to 17 points, and then all you got to do is score 21. 
And no matter who's at quarterback, you put yourself in a very good position. This game infuriated me um, because of the Steelers. How how could they let me down? We could be sitting here talking about the Patriots with the one pick. I knew Carolina. Carolina still has games against the rest of this NFC South. They may win another game. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Especially if they're running a football. Yeah. The, like um, you said, the defense is playing really well. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Pinheiro. Defense playing excellent. Special teams. His uh, playing excellent as well with, with fill-in players, guys because of injury. Unfortunately, the pass game for the Carolina Panthers. And it's not all Bryce Young, right? Bryce Young can make some throws. Slippery football. Didn't make some throws. Doesn't help that Calais Campbell was out there showing Iki Aquanu that he was too high in his pads. And so it was also very slippery. And he was on skates <laughs> at times. But very few people I know are successful in blocking Calais Campbell anyway. So that's yeah, not dry something that's uh, – Yeah, he did get his 100th sack this weekend. 100th sack. Monster. Absolute monster. So, yeah, so I, I don't think that, you know, me saying that Icky was a little bit too high. Well, part of it is he was super excited to find out how can I try, what move can I try to block Calais Campbell this week? And he learned there are very few techniques, good and bad, that would accomplish slowing down Calais Campbell. Who's who's winning this NFC South right now? You've got the seven and seven Tampa Bay Bucks, seven and seven New Orleans Saints, the six and eight Atlanta Falcons, and and the two and twelve. <laughs> Carolina. So, be, does the Carolina Panthers put now Arthur Smith on the hot seat? You would think. Uh, I know every Falcons fan I know has had him on the hot seat pretty much since he's been hired. Um, yeah, that's, How many Falcons fans do you know? I don't like three, which is <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I never heard you say every Falcons fan that I know. So I, I was trying to remember. I was trying to. I was like, how many does he know? Did he know like ten or twelve? No, no, right? I, I don't know. There are ten or twelve. There. <laughs> yeah. I know about well, a third of the, of the fan Falcons. base. Yeah. Yeah. Third. Well, third of the fan base lives in Atlanta. <laughs> For sure, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but Tampa, they somehow look like the most competent of the three in terms of both sides of the ball. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans, I never know what's going to happen. We got Jameis bringing empty suitcases, somehow firing up the boys. <laughs> they go out and yeah. they win. I don't. I have no idea what to make of the Saints at all, ever. And then the Falcons, they could easily win out. They could easily lose out. Neither of those would shock me at one bit. Now, do you did you know? Did you know? Ritter's benched again. Taylor Heineke's Taylor Heineke is uh, going to play quarterback. You remember I, I I said this back in the offseason. Yeah, when he signed twenty six million dollars to sign sitting on the bench. You think they signed him because they just had to fill that role? They signed him because they thought at some point that. One, Arthur Smith, I, I believe he knows his job may be at jeopardy, and he does not want a young player who he's a winner. He's never lost at home and from college 
to the pros. It doesn't matter what you did on Saturday. It needs you to play on Sunday. And the play that I believe Ritter threw for the eventual game setting up drive orchestrated by the first overall pick, Bryce Young, was because he missed a wide open. He was trying to throw the football to, to, I think it was Cordell Patterson, going into the end zone and had Drake London wide open, sitting on the hash. He never even saw. When I look at quarterbacks, every quarterback, I don't care how good you are, you apply enough pressure, quarterbacks do some funky things, oh, yeah. man. They do some things that – they do some things. I've seen quarterbacks know they're going to get sacked. Arm is restricted. You know the alligator arms you get when you have to pay the bill and you know it's expensive? <laughs> right? You see that? Uh, I can't uh, – I can't reach it. Right? Alligator arms. And they're – Restricted and still try to throw the ball from the hash all the way to the sideline. And it goes, bloop, it literally just goes right there. I'll show you. It, it, they, they try to throw and it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that over and over. Or a guy throws the ball behind. Like Colin. quarterbacks under pressure just do things that you just go, what are y'all thinking? That's why I respected the, the Mullins Browning game because they. They were letting it fly under any circumstance, absolutely, yeah. no matter what. Like, they were throwing the ball away that that wasn't even a legal throwaway. <laughs> like, bro, get outside the tackle, not outside the guard box, the tackle box. Right. All right, let's cut to week 16. Getting up on it. Woo! <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? I mean, Christmas, Christmas night, what a treat. Between the Ravens and the 49ers, this is uh, – I didn't think they, they were going to play the, the Super Bowl on Christmas this year, but Goodell's a wild boy. <laughs> bro, I have the same thing. I got – this is possibly a foreshadow to the Super Bowl, and I want to see how the 49ers – I said I was going to talk about the 49ers. Man, I love how what Kyle Shanahan is doing. Kyle Shanahan throws everything at you in multiple uh, formations. He'll hit you with the 21 personnel, 12 personnel. He'll hit in 12 and 21 and two tight ends, one tight end, uh, you know, fullback. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has really went into his back and said, I am going to get specialists. I'm not going to just get a crop of wide receivers. I'm going to get wide receivers that are specifically the way I want my offense to be run. And he does that, and how he puts it in formation makes it literally impossible to have the right answer because he has speed, power, the speed, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuels, and Brandon Ayuk. But then he has the power, fullback Kyle Juszczyk, power, George Kittle, but also can throw on the speed mm -hmm. and has the finish. And then the power of Debo Samuels and the speed, and then the timing and accuracy in the, with Brock Purdy. That is all problematic for a Baltimore Raven team who are down Mark Andrews, 
who are down. Kyle Hamilton. What he was able to do against the the against the LA Raiders, uh, Rams. When he went down, all of a sudden the Rams had an opportunity and did come back and made that game a lot more difficult than it was. And I believe it has to do with that defense. It shows how much of a key player Kyle Hamilton is. Marlon Humphrey's gonna ball, but Brandon Ayuk ain't no slouch, and Debo Samuel's ain't no slouch. They, they make the local uh. They ain't the local dudes who are just hanging out on on, on a street corner saying, uh, we, let's see what we could do. Let me go play football. Those dudes can run some routes, and then you Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, who's put them in great position. I'm I'm looking forward to Lamar making it impossible for the MVP conversation to continue past Monday because it's, it's been one of the worst – the MVP conversation typically starts the end of September, honestly preseason, but typically people are, are already validating their own takes by the end of September. Every week, I feel like I hear arguments as to, oh, we got to give it to this guy. Oh, now it's Dak. Now it's now it's Purdy. Now it's Chris McCaffrey. Now it's now yeah. it's Tyreek. <laughs> like it every week, it's like, yeah, Lamar's right there. Lamar's right there. Lamar's right there. They're sitting at eleven and three. They could be twelve and three, and they'd be doing it in the 49ers' house again. Lamar's only lost to the NFC once in his career. If he wins this game, I don't really care what his stat line looks like at the end of it. If he wins this game, I don't know how else we can give it to somebody else at this point of the season. Mm. Okay, I like that. For me, I, I I wasn't able to decide because of how Jacksonville looked against the Baltimore Ravens where they have some pieces where you're like, whoa, they're giving a push to the Baltimore Ravens. On defense, they were fumbling the bag all over the place on offense. Yeah. So that I can't decide. And also to see which Tampa Bay Buccaneers show up. Are they going to be the running, ba- running Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Rashad White, who's playing really, really well, or are they going to try to go out there and do a pass game? So I, I, the Jacksonville-Tampa Bay game – or if he's back, if C.J. Stroud is out of concussion protocol, I want to see him because the last couple of games, he's, it was raining, but he played a stout defense, the, the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was the first game that you could say you thought he was human. Man, I'm excited to see that matchup with the Cleveland Browns defense against that, this potent offense led by C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. And Dalton uh, Schultz, how is he going to show up? Because you know that's a bad shut your mouth. That's a bad man right there. And you're talking about, I mean, all those teams, all four of them from the two games are 500 or better. So these are all have heavy uh, playoff implications. The Bucs yes. are fighting for the division. Um, the Jags, they're eight and six. So are two other teams in their division, including those Houston Texans. They currently hold tiebreakers over them and, uh, the Colts, but this isn't the, people thought this was going to be their year to run away with the division for once. They were kind of be going to be like the Colts of the last 20 years. Like, yeah, maybe one other team will be frisky. No, no, we're, we're Christmas Eve talking here. 
And if they have to win this game just to stay uh, maintain homeostasis, they they can't slip up at all. That is a must win game for the Jags and the Bucks, which is why I have it on there. Browns are the same way. Browns are fighting for their playoff lives, and the Texans are tied with the Jags. They need this win in order just to to stay step to step with the Jags. Dallas at Miami because Miami Tyreek Hill didn't play, but Miami against Dallas Cowboys, they, would you say it was embarrassing? The way the Buffalo Bills uh, pretty much beat them immediately. (laughs) And then, and now they go to Miami. All this conversation talked about Dak. I still think Dak is having a great year. Oh, yeah. They just lost the game. I don't understand. Like the Panthers talk has been wild. I know you don't want to speak on that, yeah. but it's it's well. So I I had someone text me and said, uh, someone said, "Man, what you think about Tepper?" I'm like, what? you know, they said, oh, "We know you know." I said, "Yeah, okay." So what do you want to? He goes, "Man, it's very it's very obvious because everybody's writing these articles. It's very obvious." David Tepper is too hands on. And needs to get out of the out of football. And I said, "Wow." I asked this person. I I asked him two questions. I said, "So you're telling me every owner in the NFL you believe is an absentee owner? You you so I guess Jerry Jones doesn't he doesn't interfere with anything. Uh, there's a few there's a few people that I know owners that they have input. That's their job. Of course." Like that, that's, that's, they own the team, the company. So I, I, so I asked this individual, I said, so let me get this right. So you're telling me and someone else that you pay one point, whatever billion dollars, and then you just go home and say, Hey guys, good luck. Well, sometimes it does. And those are what I would argue the worst owners. Rare. Well, not even rare, but it's like. So the Red Sox owners, Fenway Sports Group, they've bought the Penguins, uh, the hockey team. They've bought racing teams. They've bought Liverpool. And it's like you can tell their focus is not always on the Red Sox. So it's like, ah, we're not going to spend this winter because we'd rather put that money into Liverpool or we'd rather put it into the Penguins. And that sucks. Like I would rather have uh, an owner – Overly invested. Obviously, there's a line. Obviously, they can get too invested. I'm not saying that's the case with the Panthers, but yeah. that does happen elsewhere. Then people who are just like, this is truly an investment that as long as the ticket prices go up and people keep coming, this and that. Because then it, for diehards, it's like, yeah, we know you don't. You're not all the way in right now. So why should I be? Like, yeah. that's way worse to me than an owner. Because at least the owner, even if he doesn't know what he's doing, he cares. You know what I mean? He wants the team to do well. I can I can get behind that. It's impossible for a new owner, two years in, to master his craft because this is why. How did that owner make his money? He made it in this business. So now he's now in a new business. There is a learning curve. But for people to sit here and say, he's too involved, bro, I'm building a pool right now. Just because they send me the invoice, that doesn't mean I don't go outside and make sure that what they're asking the invoice on, that I go out there and make sure they're doing the stuff that they're saying they're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and also to for the Cowboys, the most hands-on owner of all time. The last time they got like truly smacked this season was the 49ers. And then they responded by yep. absolutely demolishing the Patriots the very next week. I yep. I would I don't know how it's going to go for the Dolphins. I can't imagine the Cowboys defense is going to take this week for granted. I, I have a feeling they're going to be mm. tuned up. Micah Parsons, we're talking about awards season. He can go out and get himself deep oil this weekend too. We're getting to it. Playoffs right around the corner. Yep. And, and a lot of these regular season games, like I alluded to last week, have big time playoff implications. I mean, we talked about several <laughs> yep. of them that are going to decide whether or not teams make it in and, and shout out the bills too. They, we talked about, can they string it together? They're going to be playing a Chargers team with a with a new head coach. And for whatever reason, when teams get that interim coach that first week, there's a little bit extra juice. So this isn't going to be some walkover win for the Bills. I'm Steve Smith Sr. Holy Mick. Merry Christmas to one. Merry Christmas to all. Ho, ho, ho. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Give him a double. Give him a double thumbs up. Bang. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.